0: Hi, I'm uh, Mitchell McCurdy and we're at Marinus and Estates Winery. Um, This is where I am the winemaker for, but I also have my virtual label as Eclectics um, being sold uh, and produced through their cellar.
1: And we're sort of Niagara-on-the-Lake, kind of between Niagara Lake and and Niagara Falls, a little space in there. Is it all considered Niagara-on-the-Lake then?
0: It is all considered Niagara-on-the-lake, but yet yeah, there is the separation of falls. You just mentioned your counterpart, so that would be almost the borderline where you go into Niagara Falls. And um, if, for anybody who's familiar with wine, um, we're actually in the Four Mile Creek sub so that gives you a little bit more idea. We're really close to Inniskillen Wineries just down the road, as well as Pond View.
1: So right in the heart of you know all production in, in the area here as well, um, is there a reason why cider came out of here
0: well i actually uh, making wine for so long and then just being passionate about all things uh beverage related um and that's kind of the th- the thesis behind collab wine and beverage which is is the home for all the virtual labels that we're going to be talking about today um, Mostly, Perry is the big reason I went for that. Is I had some Perry in uh, Victoria, B.C. um, back in my youth. It was a gin botanical Perry on keg or on tap in a keg, and it was just absolutely fantastic, blew me away. So I had to go and make it, or at least try and get close to repeating that experience. Um, The tequila Perry just kind of fell into the same realm because it had more pear juice than. I wanted to just go down with one. Um, There's a couple pear trees back there as well, um, but most of the 27 acres is all uh, grapes at that point. So cider actually and Perry let me branch out, be a little bit more creative while still making a lot of wine for Maranissan. And I am, as I mentioned earlier, going in to make some um, Syrah Rosé for my virtual brand as well. So just spicing it up, I guess, is the way.
1: So what are the brands then? Because you mentioned a few. What, yeah. what are they exactly?
0: So Colab Wine and Beverage is the overarching. You can find us on drinkcolab.ca. Um, that houses Fogelar Wines, which is done by my boss, Mark Pister. Um, Old Tun, which is cider, uh, all things sparkling. So he does cider, perry, um, as well as um, some sparkling wines, Pinot Noir, sparkling in a Charmat method, but bottle unfined, unfiltered. Uh, there's also Maynad, which is done by Yvonne Irving, which is, uh, she's the assistant winemaker at Creekside currently, um,
1: and they make some pretty delicious, if assume you've had the rude, yeah. We cool. were there earlier today. Oh,
0: perfect. Um, and then uh, there's another uh, gentleman I work with named Jeff Moot, and he's just, um, you can find his stuff on the website, but he hasn't done his big official launch. He's done a soft launch of Divergence Wines, which is all um, custom wines, done by him um, again through the the winery license here. And so it's this whole idea that we're all kind of working together, which is why I'm going to be pouring you some of Ramsey's products from the old ton and just talking about that because it's just, we find that a bunch of heads coming together and working together ends up making better products at the end of
1: the day. Yeah, so why don't we pour something, tell us a little bit about it, and then tell us how everybody got together, because I'm assuming there's some <laughs> sort of an interesting story there.
0: Yeah, so you were driving back and forth between um, the both sides of the Niagara region, and I will say that's very normal for me as well, some for you as well. Um, so this is the old tonne cider. I like to call it the OG. It's just one of the first things he made. Uh, just buying uh, apples. Pressing them, barrel fermenting them, and then um, going down into bottle with yeast and sugar to bottle condition them. Um, So the whole kind of thesis behind Old Ton is doing things in an older style, a little bit more um, traditional, if you will. Um, And so this is one that's been on his list for a while, but as I mentioned, when we run out of product, got to make it again. So this is actually just bottled this year, so uh, um, new to the shelves, you know, it's the rendition of the older style. Um, the other thing beside that is the Perry. Do you want to wait to go into that? We'll yeah, just... we'll go
1: into that in a minute. So. Yeah. Um, have you noticed much difference between year to year on on the product? Or I mean, I'm assuming you've tried to keep it as close as possible, but there's always that challenge.
0: Well, there's the argument for consistency, and like consumers appreciate that, and even even me as a winemaker, I, I want consistency in, in products. But there's also that element of Niagara region having such variable weather that from one year to the next that things don't taste exactly the same Um, And so even if you have full control over your fruit and you're managing your vineyard uh, or orchard in certain ways You're still going to have a little bit variety from vintage to vintage But utilizing the same yeast again barrel aging you can actually hold barrels back and and then blend them in new vintage moving forward, so it actually allows you, even in cider production, to kind of maintain a little bit of consistency, Um, and and Ramsey is doing a little bit more funky stuff, one-offs, but with this, we're going for consistency, Um, so dry, crisp, delicious apple cider is kind of the the feeling behind that, and then again, having the bottle conditioning, that nice yeasty aroma actually helps it age and last in bottle for quite some time.
1: So for someone who's not familiar with the term bottle condition, what does that mean if you were to pick up something that was bottle conditioned versus something else? Yeah,
0: so I, I usually go from the wine lingo term, traditional method, sparkling, is when you put yeast, wine, and sugar into a bottle and the fermentation happens in in, uh, in bottle. But bottle conditioning is a very beer term and it's very common in the brewery uh, business. Um where you're basically putting, again, sugar, yeast, and beer, or in this case, cider, into the bottle. The yeast is going to eat the sugar, um, ferment it to dryness, and then when the yeast yeast eats the sugar, it makes CO2 as well as alcohol. So you're only putting a little bit of sugar in there, so you're not really getting a big change in your alcohol, but you're getting at least um, what we refer to atmospheres, two to three atmospheres of pressure inside that bottle, which is kind of where we find the perfect carbonation, which is about like 9 to 12 grams per liter of sugar is kind of what I shoot for in my perrys and then what Ramsey's going for in the the satyrs as well.
1: And then any less and you're not going to get that sparkle that you get and anything more, you might have to add something on the top to keep it on or hope it doesn't blow up on you.
0: Uh, Mostly the big fear about going above that is you lose, like you pop the cap and then it's all over. Everywhere, um, and that's just once you get above that pressure, having any um, sediment in there is just going to create nucleation points, and it just gushes. So um, the big thing is is having a consumer buy something and then lose half the bottle when they open it, even if they did chill it down. I find it a big issue in some pet mats, not everybody, because some people are keeping that in mind, but as soon as you go down a bottle um, dirty, if you will, with any particle matter in there, if you're over a certain carbonation level, it's going to end messy and we don't want to sell you a product and then have it all over your kitchen floor or your shirt or whatever, right?
1: And because we're just talking a little bit about production stuff for people who are interested um these are unfiltered and then others that off that are offered are filtered what does the filtering do it just pulls that those particles out correct
0: yeah that's that's a good filtering changes a lot of uh things about um products whether it's wine cider all of that stuff it just changes what's going on but the main purpose is to remove particulate matter and now things that are um in bottle like the russet we have here that's clear That would have just been um, filtered into a bright tank, Um, so basically you can do the same method, except instead of a bottle, the fermentation happens in the tank, and then you can filter, we can filter through pressure, and then you end up with clean, crystal clear cider on the other end, and and then just bottle it under pressure, so it's just a little cleaner, Um, definitely nothing wrong if you find that sediment in the bottle the whole purpose is again traditional styles it's been done tons of time and in my opinion that yeast in that bottle is going to again extend your shelf life it's going to help it age and um, personally I like like salad beers with just tons of haze in them hazy IPAs it's a big thing and I don't know I really like it and find it impacts the palate in a
1: and uh, interestingly enough, uh, last year they finally allowed uh, unfiltered cider in Quebec, if you weren't aware of that. It had been all the way up until that point, so there's now a big boom of Quebec-style ciders that are unfiltered and hazy and so that's on.
0: That's actually really, I didn't know that, and I think that's almost comical because a lot of the natural wine craze or unfiltered wine craze started in Quebec, and it's almost kind of comical that that's their ciders uh, the other way around. I know that um, one of their rules is you can't use any um, ground apples in the production of cider, but I believe that's Canada-wide, um, which is interesting because actually at Christmas time uh, uh, the group of us, which we were talking about going into how we all met, um, I'll just finish the spiel and then we'll get into that, um, we tasted some Normandy cider, that's very much traditionally ground apples, keaved and fermented, uh, um and then they end up sweet, delicious. You get a little bit of that moldy funk in there, which is like it's appropriate for it. I'm not trying to <laughs> turn anybody off trying them. If you can find them at the LCBO, you should go um, give it a try. Again, I'm very much support local and all that stuff, but it's, it's good to inform your opinion on delicious things around the world.
1: Bethany's go-to is yeah. the Normandies as well. So it's definitely worth a try, but as you said, quite different. Um, and um, like... Trying different types of products, you may, you know, you have to go through a bunch of stuff and keep your, your palate open when you try something new because you might run into something very different.
0: Yeah. Um, so then, yeah, with that tangent, I'll just go right into how we all met. Um, uh, Mark Piester is is my boss, but also is my professor at Brock University. So I went through the enology and viticulture program at Brock, which is hence the love for wine and all of that. Um, and then just liking you know, all beverages, fell in love with cider along the way. Ramsey also went through the Brock program um, and then Nick Pappas, who's our branded marketing uh, manager, also went through the program. He was actually in some of the same classes as me, where Mark and Ramsey were a little bit closer um, but Mark and uh, Fred DeProfio, who's the winemaker over at uh, Pondview, were doing um, um, contract winemaking together So, and then Ramsey came on and and they all worked together. I started with them in 2018, so it was mostly just uh, I had gone to him after finishing school and said, I'm looking for a job. I hear you guys make lots of wine and other fun things. Um, as he had been consulting for a couple different cideries at that time, and I wanted to make cider. I wanted to make wine. It seemed like a good versatile option. So mostly it was through the hub of Brock, but there's no, like, it's not a minimum requirement. Exclusive art, real, but, yeah. Um, uh, actually, our seller hand here is, is from uh, Niagara College, and she's absolutely wonderful, smart lady, works hard, does a good job, and we're looking at uh, hiring on another person from that college as well. So it's not exclusive to Bronx students. Um, but so mostly that's how we met, and then and then working on wine together, and then we kind of always dreamed of, of, of virtual labels. Mark started Fogelar in 2014, um, and then Old Tonne, uh, established in 2016 so that was Mark and Ramsey working together again this idea that that we're not able to buy an orchard with uh, lack of funds and insane land prices um, but it's also more economical and environmentally friendly to fill capacity in a winery that already exists and so that's what uh, we'll do and I'll take you a little bit around that as well after we uh, pop open the Perry but yeah that's kind of how we all met and then just yeah, the strength of Working together and going through harvests, and um, we basically do contract winemaking for a couple different places. Uh, Dark Horse Winery out in Grand Bend. Um, this product right here is actually from uh, Chudley Entertainment Farm. If you're familiar with them, they're just opening. Uh, their Saturday recently, and uh, Mark's been consulting, and I've been working with them as well. Although uh, they're very, it's almost hands off from us. They are definitely the, the doing a lot of the work, and the guy behind that, Will, is, is very passionate and, and, mm. and really good at what he does. Not on the Drink collab site, but I just wanted to talk about it because it's a pretty cool
1: um, thing that we got there. Oh, well, why don't we open up the Perry? Uh, and then you can. I mean, I know the difference of what a perry is, but uh, why don't you very quickly go sort of through that, and then we can circle ourselves back into sort of the next things. I think part of the, uh, the issue that we're running into, obviously, and seeing now, and one of the reasons why it probably drove you a little bit more towards the online um, option was the five-acre rule. Um, in Ontario, now that's Abolished, essentially, and without consultation and some interesting changes which have impacted a few. For example, uh, Grey and Gold Cider up in in Grey County, Um, if I recall correctly, they got approved two days before COVID hit. So they just got their five acres in and had two or a day or two, and then COVID hit, and then that was waived for, for the time and has, has gone away. Is that going to change your, your business model, or do you think you might see others following along with what you're doing?
0: Yeah, well, uh, so the, the five-acre rule, it's very, like, oh, it's... I don't want to say convoluted, but it kind of is at this point. And so it's existed for wineries forever. Um, Now, cideries have the benefit that they don't need it. But you could also make cider inside a winery. You just have to have a portion of your production, um, which is fine because we're doing small batch things here. And then inside of a winery that has not large production, but large enough that... It doesn't really affect any legality there it's fine Um, and I hope that uh, the people who are growing their own orchards and did all that work aren't aren't, uh, hurt about it because I think it's it's awesome to say we manage our own orchard we have all the fruit on site and we're doing this I don't think it takes away from that but it opens up for breweries to now put down ciders and do all of that so I'm very much of the belief that there's more Ontario cider on the market the more people talk about Ontario cider, the more exciting people are to go grab it and, and all that jazz. So it's not really going to change our business model, um, per se, because we we're already doing it under the winery license. Um, and I'm, I'm not planning on going and popping up a shop downtown and, and making cider there, because we've already got, again, all the things kind of figured out. We've got the full production facility, so it doesn't really make sense. There's a lot of capital even when you take out the <laughs> five-acre rule. Mm-hmm. Um So my hope is it just gets more people talking about Canadian beverages in general, but um, I I understand why some people might be a little hurt planting five acres, going into COVID and then things changing. Um, But I think the one thing that is problematic about making um, alcohol in Ontario is how highly regulated it and how restrictive it is. It's very restrictive for small people to even enter the market because yeah, the capital on five acres of orchard and that's not even including the building that you're going to build and then the, the wastewater treatment you got to figure out and then all of the equipment to actually have a functioning facility, right? So I think it opens the doors for a lot of people to start experimenting and, and, and hopefully um, it just gets people talking about cider more.
1: And we did see quite a boom uh, for cider, especially in Ontario when we first got into this in 2015. There was maybe 60 or 70 people that are making it, we're now over 120 Mm -hmm. uh, in the province and countrywide, we're over 370. So there is that sort of push going forward, but there's been sort of ebb and flow in the way that the pandemic has impacted people. Um, In general, and this is... A general statement of course um, it, it tends to be that the first year of the pandemic was actually decently strong for cider producers because the international market didn't have an ability to respond so then people went looking local and to support local and then 2021 hit and the Uh, The seltzer sort of boom really took off, which actually cut into a lot of uh, craft beer, craft cider, craft wine as an alternative for that because of the caloric intake and the fact that everybody was stuck at home and drinking a bottle of wine every other night type thing. Um, So we saw a bit of those changes and now as things open up again we're starting to see, we're starting to wonder where things are going. Do you see, does that sort of follow with what you've seen and, and where do you see yourself going in the next little while?
0: I, I agree with that completely. Like the big reason, so we launched Drink Collab as a website without really a place to even pour because it was the middle of the pandemic and we saw sales and it was kind of nice. I think the big thing that's it's missing is that uh, you can't get new consumers in online in the same way that it is me and you sitting here talking about cider, peri, and all those things. Um, so I think people are going to go back to that. And the nice thing about um, I use wineries as an example is people love that experience of going to a winery, tasting the product. And I think that's where, uh, if we're talking strictly Ontario, you're going to win is, is having that five acres planted right out there and your cidery, a nice welcoming staff, whether it's your cider maker or some retail staff that's passionate about um, the industry. That is where you're going to move towards. And I think everybody being locked in their houses uh, for two years are itching to get out. And I mean, like the world's not, it seems like it's more normal, but we're still not quite there. So people might not want to fly to a, different destination and they want to be vacationing somewhere closer to home and so I think if we can really tap into that come down and see our local cidery I think that's going to stay. I, I, I'm very much a locavore myself like I just try and move <laughs> local like food wise there's actually some really cool grocers down in St. Catherine's so I try to stay away from big box stores and all that stuff. I think that mentality isn't something that fades quickly. And once people experience it, then they go, oh my God, yeah, we do really make good wine here. We make good cider here. Why am I going to go somewhere else? And, and I don't think we're going to win in the bulk cheap market. But that's also not really what um, I think Canada in general is about. We're more focused on that craft style. And me personally, I'm happy to pay for four dollar tall boys from local breweries as opposed to going to the store and trying to find something for closer to a dollar right i know the quality's there and i'm happy there i don't think i'm the normal consumer maybe not but i think people are going to be excited with the weather coming up being nicer and then that want to get outside and that there's tons of options now that i think people are going to stay supporting local because I still don't think our supply chain issues are really that fixed from trying to source glass and other stuff. The LC LCBO shelves are a little more empty than they usually are, and so that might keep people pushing to go
1: to local places. And that, again, return home experience, what's in your backyard, in a in a different sense, is, is really important. I think Canadians really understand that as well, with the way that the world currently is, and that we should be looking to support and stay close. Um, we're going to take a walk through the back in a bit, you said. "Let's Tell me just a little bit about this one here, but first, Perry. I never,
0: yeah, I never even went, We were talking about it, so many things.
1: So, so tell me about the Perry, and then tell me a little bit about the other one you got yeah, here.
0: Yeah, um, and so me being, uh, my brand is just Perry at the moment. Um, so I actually did a spiel with our marketing guy about what makes Perry different. Um, and so there's going to be generalizations here, so please don't... Uh, <laughs> Take it too seriously, because when you get down to the craft cider, it is almost as much like wine. With there's different varietals of apples, there's different varietals of pears. So like talk to the people you're getting your product from, and they'll be happily go into de- detail. For for mine, it's more about um, um, the tequila barrels and the gin. So it's just Niagara pears, a, a mix of non heritage varietals. So it's it's Boskin and, and Bartlett, and I'm, I'm not afraid to say that it's it's fine. We're not going for single varietal pairs with that it's more about the cool funky labels the delicious and then that little bit of um, add-on what i call eclectic Um, but the big thing that's nice about perry and where it really differentiates from cider is there are unfermentable sugars so there's difference in acids difference in flavors different in tannins but the big thing that makes it very different is um, the residual sugar that ends up because the yeast can't actually turn it into alcohol where, where that comes in with bottle conditioning is, as I mentioned before, you're putting yeast sugar, fermenting it inside the bottle. You end up with a product that has residual sugar even when you can do the bottle conditioning. So we can do that traditional style, but end up with something with more body, more texture at the finished, and not as dry and crisp as its cider counterparts. So that's kind of the big fun thing I find with Perry is you can do the bottle conditioning and you still have a little bit of sugar. I'm not talking about a lot. It's usually around two to three grams. So it's not going to change your world in terms of your sugar intake, but it's going to make a difference on that palate. And I always associate it with, yeah, that increased body, a little bit more texture and softening of the acids. So that's my, uh, apart from flavor differences, that's the big uh, difference between Perry and cider.
1: And we find that um, your products that, you, that you've had have been more flavorful than a lot of other Perrys because they're hard to get the flavor to pop as much you do get those other elements but they tend to make the product a little softer overall so it's really nice to see you know the offerings that you've you've made especially with the tequila on side yeah. of it it balances um, with that flavor and it really sort of elevates the overall taste to it so it's it's a nice um, a nice option. Not saying some of the other uh, peris around aren't great, but they, they come with their own different expanse, just like cider, just like wine, just like beer.
0: Well, one of the things I will say from a production standpoint is very reductive ferments. So they stink when they're fermenting. And it's just, it's a nutrient thing, a tannin thing, that there's not a lot for the yeast to feast on. Um, so it was a lot of work, basically, when I was making this peri, it's barrel fermenting. Um, I wouldn't recommend anybody who's trying to do it. Tank ferments might be a little bit easier to do this, but there's lots of oxygen management. So during the ferment um, for the yeast, oxygen's gonna help them. Um, move out of that reductive atmosphere, which is associated with uh, reduced notes, a little bit of stink, a little bit of funk, sometimes people call it. And so we were actually um, basically using an aquarium uh, bubbler, <laughs> yeah. with a little filter out of it, and, and, and uh, um, a sparge stone um, to sanitize that in each barrel. Every day for um, the entirety of the ferment, we're doing about 20 minutes of sparging with air, um, which is actually pretty significant, and, and, and you don't see a lot of the oxidative nature in there because the uh, the ferment is so reduced that it just kind of helps freshen the aromas so I think that's where I I, I Kind of got a little bit more of that fruity flavor development in bottle and why they ended up a little cleaner than you might find um, some other perries. but that's uh, um, Not always the case again depends on what fruit you're doing, but uh, Perry ends up being very Doesn't settle out. It's very thick um, and that's just like if you can picture biting into an apple versus biting into a pear, it's, it's a very different experience, yeah. right? And so that's one thing where I find it hides the
1: aromas a little bit.
0: Um, yeah.
1: And, and a little extra labor intensive, too, to go through that process as well. So very um, neat. And then for me, uh, I'm not going to
0: say that I've been making cider for ages. I haven't. It's, it's very much a learning experience for me. So I'm happy to share that info and talk about it in detail. Um, We'll go through the russet and then we'll take a little walk. Um, So the russet was just, um, again, using uh, bright tanks like a brewery and doing that fermentation in the tank, filtering through. This is the Old ton single varietal. Um, I hate picking favorites, but the floral element of the russet apple just, uh, like... We've made a couple ciders together, and, and I've watched him make a lot of stuff. I've been a bit avid drinker of the old time. This one was probably my favorite, just again, that floral quality, kind of knocked my socks off. Same thing, dry, that's kind of the shtick for old time. Um, and then, yeah, going through that process, so it's filtered in bottle and nice and clear. Mm-hmm. The other one here at the table, I mentioned Chudley's. Um, so we were just... Uh, they have an incredible apple source just like
1: big family farm so much. oh yeah
0: like apples you, you can't even dream how many apples and varieties they have so this is actually called a, a kerr k-e-r-r um, and they almost look like crab apples they're the tiniest little apples they're like three dollars a pound at the grocery store for the smallest little things but if you ever see them Oh my God, they are delicious! And so, um, well-being adventurous really wanted to try making cider out of that. Um, so we've done again a lot of bottled conditioning. So we brought our little setup up there. It's just a, a, a basically what we call a bottling uh, cow. It's got six uh, spigots on it, uh, beer pump to pump in the liquid, and then we just bottled that with the culture mixing as we go. Um, So let's just do that quick, and then we'll walk around the cellar. Um, It will be noisy in there, so I don't know if you wanna stop the podcast at that point or just edit out the sound completely at you. So lots of bubbles, not overflowing, always the goal. Um, And this one is where I would say um, lots of reduction at the start, early in its life. So again, with that bottle conditioning, um, um, when I'm going to do my pear, I'm going to follow the pink uh, uh next week. Like I said, that's not going to release for at least a month. needs at least a couple weeks to for the yeast to actually do the ferment, eat the sugar. But then it needs a little bit of time to figure out what it wants to be. And, and so that, that exists in almost every beverage called bottle shock. It's it's pretty normal. So giving it a little bit of time. The last time I had this, I'm actually going to just grab a glass real quick. Yes, good, good idea. It was showing a big reduction, but I'm hoping at this point that it's kind of dialing in. And figuring out what it wants to be, and so one thing with reduction: if you give your glass a nice swirl or shake, it usually blows off. Oh yeah, that's figuring. That's so that gorgeous apple smell, and then that crisp flavor. It's literally what the apples taste like, and probably one of the more exciting things I'm seeing. So, not released yet. Probably, um, say June, they'll have it on their shelves when they open up for the summer. Yeah and yeah so just another thing we do again being contract winemakers contract cider consultants um, um, doing our own stuff we're always keeping busy and, and finding new things to do um, and that's one fun one.
1: so uh, if, if people want to get more information on what you do or, or maybe reach out to work with you or so how would they get that
0: cool um, we finally uh, again starting a business in the middle of pandemic so Drinko Lab started um, March 2020 great timing um, I'm glad we can laugh about that right now um, but it was trying to figure out what we were trying to how to communicate in a, in a very new world that we weren't really experiencing so I finally got um, an email uh, up and running so if you want to contact me personally uh, I do have business cards at my desk I'll grab them but it's winemaker um, at drinkcollab.ca um, and if you want to shoot any questions, that would probably be the place to go. Because uh, uh, if you want to make products with us, um, that's that's probably the best place. And um, just uh, the other one would be Nick, who's our brand and marketing manager. Um, although he's very humble, he does some winemaking making himself too. We're going to be releasing a, a wine brand from uh, fairly shortly. Um, but he would just be Nick at drinkcollab.ca, which are the email addresses. And then if you go on drinkcollab.ca, you can find some information and there should be a contact us on that as well. So that's probably the best way to, to get a hold of me. Um, and I try to check that email regularly.
1: Awesome. And just to finish off, you said you had something you were thinking of putting out later this year. Can you yeah. give us a sneak about that.
0: Absolutely. So um, I'll talk about it just in case the noise is, is a little too wild in there. We've got our chiller going. It's a it's a CO two chiller, so environmentally friendly and very efficient, but unfortunately really loud and <laughs> um, echoes on all of the metal siding and metal tanks that are in there. Um, so. I had mentioned another pear going on there. Uh, I made a Syrah Rose, which is, if you want to taste that as well, we could go through that. Uh, but when I press the grapes for, to get the juice, because when we make uh, Rose, um, there's a couple ways to do it, but I did it in a traditional way, we picked pick the grapes, press the juice off after letting them sit with the skins for a little bit. And that gives you a nice pink color. Instead of just throwing those skins out, I put them in a tank and filled it up with about 500 liters of peri and just let that ferment. It came off as this nice pink color, so I'm just working on the final steps. It just got filtered, and then we'll end up uh, warming it up, filling it full of yeast and sugar next week and it down. So it's Syrah skins in a peri. It's going to be... Um, Bright pink is, is the goal for the end of it, and um, I wrote, on. Um, I like to put little blurbs on my back labels. This one's a watermelon daydream, and for me it's just those red fruit notes that you wouldn't expect mingling in with the peri. Um, again going bottle-conditioned, so it's going to be as dry as the peri will go. we will probably end up with a couple grams of sugar, but it's uh, going to be in the little stubby, as and nice and pink. Cool. Let's uh, go take a walk. just grab one more to get it out of the tank. Nondescript in terms of bridles and all that. But yeah. There's our noisy chiller. Um, you might catch uh, Emily here. Um, unless she's hiding on me, quick and easy access. And perfect,
1: she's still got her glass, so I'll pour a little bit for you, pour a little bit for me. Get the glass in place. Cool. Thank you. So yeah. good. Um, Tor- I, it absolutely very much yeah. like a, a, a watermelon red
0: yeah, flavor,
1: kind of, pink, yeah. Got kind
0: of so nail the color, which is enjoyable. Um, I, I mean always having these little brainchilds yeah. and having them come to fruition is always um, a lovely experience um, but I, I kind of intentionally picked Syrah because it's one of the darkest grapes you can get like you press that stuff off even if, if you don't leave it to soak on the skins the rosé is coming off that dark dark purple color um, so I thought it was the right choice now this is dry without any carbonation in it so the next steps uh, it's, already, it's basically ready to go so it's just getting a little bit of sugar in there, again about 9 grams per liter, putting a bit of yeast, fermenting a bottle. I expect a little bit of the color is going to drop out, but it's just going to be sitting in that yeast, so you're going to have that nice little pink color on the bottom anyways. So I'm not too picky about what the color is going to end up like. So if it's this, if it's a little bit uh, paler, that's what I'm going
1: for are so
0: going to have a cool name for it like you did the other two that is the good um, so if you guys are familiar with uh rosés from provence um i've i will do the release officially on this um it's called pear um, as a little bite on pro style rosés another reason for using the syrah grapes um, and yeah i i'm nerdy about puns and doing that so i've really set a goal for um, doing all of them as that and I will happily say I'm, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm scripting on this one. I feel like it's good and fits well. Yeah,
1: definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just a lot of notes I'm not familiar with so it's very unique yeah. and really yeah. good. Like the pear
0: again just sneaking in there yeah. and then a lot of that red fruit taking over the, the, yeah. the aromatics is kind
1: of cool. Yeah, it's really nice. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for the, the walk through and be able to chat. And, yeah we'll put this up on the website and share it out and you can listen to it all over again and hopefully some others.
0: Yeah, I'll probably listen to it a little bit too much and think, well, maybe I should have said that a bit better, but uh, it's okay. uh, Yeah, I'm sure it's true, but yes, thank you for coming out and I appreciate, uh, yeah, doing what you do is really exciting and I'm excited to actually have these face-to-face meetings with a couple more people because we've got a lot of people shouting out uh, um, CIDR and again, like you said, it's just... So much more options, many more producers in Ontario at this point, yeah. um, and then as well as uh, Canada uh, on a whole. Have you
1: gone out to BC? Any plans to do that or anything? Uh, we might do out east this year, depends east on that desert. sort of process. Uh, I've been out west to BC a couple times, and but not since we've been as involved in all of the cider stuff as well so
0: yeah, well, they, i'm going out in august because i have two brothers out there one's going to Uvic and the other one um, is a marine biologist on the uh, coast of vancouver island so i've got a little uh, a little in and a reason to go out there but you can be sure i'm going to be trying a lot of stuff on, on my trip so, yeah, absolutely thank you for coming by thank I, you yeah, happy to talk with you